Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a trade deadline reaction edition of the Grizz Den podcast. We're jumping on here uh, just less than two hours after the deadline and John Kraft is in the house. What's up, John? Hey, I'm good. It was it was quiet for a while, but then it was a it got to be a little fun. At least on the margins, it was a fun uh, trade deadline there for a couple hours. A flurry of deals yes. in the last hour and a half or so, and we were involved, and we by we I mean Grizzlies were involved in a few of these trades. And so, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna discuss each one. We're gonna discuss what we liked and disliked about them. And we're also going to talk through what we didn't do. And then finally, what are we going to do moving forward after this trade deadline? So, of course, first, we've already discussed it. Steven Adams to the Rockets in return for Victor Oladipo. Three second round picks, two of which are in 2024, one of which is in 2025. If you are interested in our thoughts about this trade, uh, take a listen to the beginning of the previous pod we did, which was amazing, with uh, Parker Fleming and Matt Herdlick previewing this very day. Uh, then we had a, a trade that broke yesterday, wasn't it? The Tillman trade, or was it two days ago? I no, think it was yesterday. yesterday. Xavier Tillman to the Celtics in return for two second-round picks, which are in the years 2027 and 2030. And we got Lamar Stevens in return, who's a power forward, an expiring contract, more importantly. Then about, uh, I would say... An hour plus from the deadline, a trade came through where at first it was reported as Royce O'Neal being sent from uh, Brooklyn to the Phoenix Suns. And then we got the report that David Roddy would be included in the trade from Memphis. And in return, Memphis would be getting um, uh, a couple of, well, we didn't know it was a couple at first, but we knew the Suns were sending out four players, and we also know that they're sending out a pick swap. Now, the time at which we're recording, the details of that particular swap have not been reported. It could very well be a future first-round swap, which right now 
I believe the one available Phoenix had to work with was 2028, or it could be something more convoluted that's still a first-round swap, or it could be a second-round pick swap. And those three options might might change opinions on the trade, which we'll get into in a bit. But then we found out that Yuta Watanabe would be returning to the Grizzlies where he was signed initially, uh, the very first team he was ever on in the NBA. And then Shemezi Metu, who is a center uh, and uh, 27 years old, making uh, $2 million-ish on his contract this year, which also expires. Importantly, Yuta Watanabe's contract includes a $2.6 million player option for next season. Now then, the final bit of news was that the Grizzlies waived Victor Oladipo, which got them down to 15 players on the roster. Now, there are, there's a lot to talk about there. John, where do you want to start? Uh, just start, uh, just going through it individually. Um, start with Tillman, um, that, uh, you know, Tillman has been a fun Grizzly you know, so there is some sadness uh, to see him go. He hit some big shots for us. He played uh, in some big playoff games for us. He, in fact, and, and in some ways, he might be the perfect kind of fringe player to pick up at the trade deadline for the Celtics because it does seem that when the kind of lights are the brightest um, in the in the biggest games, Tillman seems to show up in a way that's that's really well really good. So in that sense, you know, I think the Celtics got someone who I think will hopefully do well for them. Um, and I think we did what we needed to, which is a guy who's expiring contract, most likely uh, will get a contract similar to Dylan. You know, we'll get a contract that's more than we want to pay for him. Um, and so it would be sad to let him just walk, you know, as much as maybe some Grizzlies fans who love Tillman, love him, the family man, always with his kids at the game, um, great on the social media. But, you know, there was a very, very low chance of us uh, bringing him back next year. And so the fact that we got two uh, second round picks for him, is great i think you know as we we went into this came into this season with very few second round picks which are really important uh, as you you see with things like today especially moves on the margins i mean we used three of them to get luke Kennard last year and so the fact that you know post steven adams post tillman trade we got five second round picks i think um uh is really good uh that we got all these second round picks now to use yeah i think the the top priority of course, from my perspective, was to send Zaire Williams yeah. goodbye. <laughs> that notably did not happen, no. which is why I'm a little bit disappointed after this deadline. My, the most disappointing tweet of the day actually came, uh, it was, I think, about an hour and a half before the deadline, and it was that Killian Hayes was being waived right. from the Detroit Pistons, who... Uh, was rumored we were rumored to be talking with the Pistons about some sort of deal that would essentially be us taking on his expiring contract and sending someone or something or both. And my guess is Kleiman cannot bring himself to give up value in any trade, even if it means getting off of six million for next year in Zaire Williams. I guess the thought process is his salary can still be used in the offseason. Mm -hmm. He will be eligible for an extension, which, barring something crazy, I don't foresee us doing. And 
we also have two second round picks we got from the Steven Adams trade that are 2024 second round picks. And so the, the opportunity to send out Zaire uh, with, I would say, negative value is not off the table, but he will be on the roster for the rest of the season, which right. if you're a Grizzlies fan that wants us to lose as many games as possible to make the draft pick better. I guess it's better that we kept Zaire. Um, <laughs> and the, so and tankers unite. It's good news for them. <laughs> he's first team all tank for sure. I thought that David Roddy was the third out of the three wings. And I'm not counting Conchar in this, by the way. I yeah. think there's just too much that Conchar brings from a positive standpoint for us to have moved on. So I'm glad he's also on the roster still. But out of Laravia, Zaire, and Roddy, I thought Roddy was the least likely to be yeah. traded and a lot of that was due to his low salary number and also his low value. I just felt like he was not going to get anything and this is this is the debate right now which if you're listening to this after the pick swap has already been reported then you already know what uh the the data is behind this but here's where I stand on the whole pick swap. If it ends up being a second round swap and our you know second round pick in whatever year gets a little bit better than it would have been otherwise potentially I still think that it is worth getting off David Roddy even though Yuta Wandanabe is also under contract per his player option next year if he decides to pick that up but there is a possibility that he might not pick up that player option if he gets word from the Grizzlies that there's no chance like we're going to there's no chance he's going to be in the rotation and we're going to do everything possible to trade him to a team no matter what and essentially try and negotiate with as much leverage as possible as the organization having his control to where he might decide to to decline that option and test his market elsewhere, especially if he plays pretty well the rest of the season. Like it might be in his best long-term interest to get a deal that's passed next year. Now, if you had David Roddy in that slot, his salary next year is guaranteed. There's no option. You are paying him if you retain him through the season. So to me, even the chance of getting a little bit of cap relief with that question about the player option and the chance of making a second-round pick marginally better with a swap is probably worth sending out David Roddy because his trajectory this season has been a very steep decline fast. And I don't think that any time past this deadline you were ever going to get value for a guy like David Roddy with as many minutes as he's already played this season. What are your general yeah, thoughts about no, that? I, I, you know, that's, you're, you're convincing me because I think um, coming, into this, coming into recording... You know, I kind of thought first round pick swap. Uh, I mean, it's weird as it sounds. First round pick swap, like that's a plus for me because that is a huge upside. You obviously, uh, long listeners of, or at least last couple year listeners of Grizz Pod know that I'm very, I'm, I'm shorting the Suns big time. So I absolutely love that the Grizzlies are as well um, in these pick swaps, swaps that they're doing. And so obviously, a first round pick pick swap, even that's somewhat protected, protected. That could be huge value to us in 2028, uh, but I think you're tr you're you're correct in that the second round pick swap is still some value too, especially how we seem to like do very well with picks 30 through 45 um, in the draft a lot. So in that sense, you know, I think any picks that we have are good, and uh, in that sense, you know, I'll trust that. And and that that is true. You know, I mean, part of it is that 
you know, and it could be also, yeah, you tell you to like, hey, we're going to be trying to put you in trades. You're definitely not in our top 10, 11, you know, man rotation. So I, I think there is some sense of that. I also agree. I mean, I'm, I actually, you know, Herdlicka and Parker actually, and I think just listening more people have really convinced me in the sense that why LaRavia has not shown much. And I know we even debated on the Grizzden about <laughs> who's the worst player on a roster. Uh, LaRavia is still young. He is, he has only played 500 minutes in comparison. Roddy has played so many minutes. And, and while I don't know if he's as bad as he played this year and uh, as bad as maybe a lot of fans feel, uh, even though I think he's kind of a fan favorite because of his like outside of the game stuff. Uh, you know, for me at the end of the day, we, with the team we have, what we need in role players is guys who can shoot and he just can't. And I mean, like he just could not at all this year. And in that sense, we did at the very least trade him, get some kind of pick swap, hopefully a first round, maybe a second round. But then we did at least bring in a guy who may or may not pick up his option. So best case scenario, it's an expiring contract. He picks up, you know, he doesn't pick up his option. He's gone. And then we've saved some money. Uh, but then if he does pick up his option, well, Yuda has shown that if there's one thing he can do is he can knock down open jump shots, uh, which honestly with a guy in that role is what we need. Um, Roddy has been asked to do more this year just because we've been so injured. But in theory, you know, this we're talking about the 10th, 11th, 12th man in the rotation spot. Uh, and really we're, all we're asking to do is play pretty good defense and then knock down threes uh, when called upon. And so, and, and I think Yuda does that well. So in that sense, maybe it is an upgrade no matter what uh, for us. And, and maybe in some ways it's just trying to clear things out, you know, just change the scenery. Uh, the other thing I will say is like, because I got frustrated just even listening to a couple uh, local radio shows as well, um, <laughs> some Grind City media shows, and they were kind of laughing about the Melton, st- the Melton trade. And like, does this mean that like the Melton trade was a disaster because Roddy and then like, it's like, it's like people forget we got Danny Green that became Luke Kennard. Um, like, you know, people forget all this, that, that there was more to it than just Roddy for Melton. Uh, but obviously if you look at it that way, this does look bad, but all that said, we're closing the book on Roddy. Uh, so far that year of draft picks, um, we have not closed the door on LaRavia yet. So we'll see. And, uh, and obviously Zaire remains. Uh, one other thing just th- throw out there is I do think that it is interesting that, but which is what, when I started to realize, I didn't think we were going to trade Conchar either is because the being able to trade them for their higher salary marks, uh, you know, makes it more worrisome going into next year, but actually probably is helpful in trying to maybe if we're going big game hunting, if we're trying to get a really good player to put next to Jaron, uh, having these guys have more money to trade could be very valuable for us. So that's another factor to take in. So it could be that Zaire is valuable in the tank and then he'll be more value as a trade piece with a slightly higher salary as well. Who knows? Yeah, I would say that the, the other important part of this trade was that we actually did receive a center who can play the five in return, just like a pure center in Metu. Yeah. I like Watanabe better than Roddy overall as a player right now. He's a yeah. little bit older, can shoot like you were saying. And so even for the rest of this season, having those just very, I would say, very specific role players in place rather than 
a guy like Roddy, who's, I used the term jack of all trades, master of none in our last podcast, and I would describe Roddy as that. He doesn't really fit one thing, and some players, that's their strength for him. To me, it was sort of his downfall. And to, to trade him for two guys that just fit very specific roles will allow guys like Gigi Jackson and Vince Williams to play their roles better and develop more quickly. Speaking of Gigi, the thing that has not happened yet, and what I predicted would happen, is that we are going to open up a roster spot for us to sign Gigi to a, a contract for this season and hopefully beyond. Uh, definitely beyond if we're going to sign him to the main roster. But we don't know who's going to be waived yet. My guess is it will be Lamar Stevens. Yeah, that's my guess as well. Although, you know what? I, I also am thinking out loud here. If we waived Yuta, I wonder what that would do to his player option. Or if we were even allowed to do that, or if it yeah, counts automatically against the books, because that would also be a, an opportunity for us to take the the money off of next year. That is an interesting thought that I it's just live on the podcast here. <laughs> Another it's, note, it's like uh, the you know uh, we didn't do a good enough job maybe reading the entire CBA, the new CBA, and what that means for that kind of a uh, yeah transaction. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and Lamar Stevens is a power forward. He can also play a little bit. Like, there's no none of these players are long term you know, solutions. You know, and and by that, I think also I think Metu will be a good. Um, I think he'll be a good player to play next to Jaron to kind of see. You know, because I think that we're trying to figure out who, because uh, everybody, you know, basically I think we we all know who four of the starters are going to be next year. Um, and although, you know, I mean, obviously there's some talk about Vince Williams Jr. trying to give it, giving Marcus a run for his money. But but like we're trying to figure out who that fourth player is going to be. And I do think Metu kind of is a different type of player than we've had next to Jaron. And I think that'll be good just to see what that's like as we kind of start to think through this summer um, and who we want to try to target. One thing I'm reading is that if you do waive a player with a player option, it counts against your cap as dead money next year. So okay. never mind That's all that. Happen. The other thing too to consider is you do. I believe this is the case for Loravia and Roddy specifically, who who have team options the year after next. I think this summer is actually for rookie scale contracts when you have to decide whether you're picking up that team option the following season. And so there was another decision point there with Roddy. So if we decline that, it already signals to other teams that he's a negative value right. and there's definitely not any value. We can and get that, you know, and, and actually that's a really good point because I think one of the things that we saw with the Steven Adams trade is uh, that the Grizzlies really like trading guys when they find any positive value, as you said, like that Kleiman does not want to do negative value trades. I do think, I do think Zaire is going to test that theory, <laughs> but I do uh, that. And, and I think what they probably thought, you know, and, and with that, you know, John Hollinger, uh, you know, previous, uh, previous Grizz executive, uh, obviously analytics guy uh, has a great podcast with Nate Duncan. Like he tweeted out that the fact that the Grizzlies could get anything of value for David Roddy is incredible. <laughs> Pretty harsh statement there. Uh, just to show you how bad of a year Roddy's had. I mean, that it's it's been really bad. And the fact that he would say that tells me, and that, you know, I think that y your your kind of take, I think, is I'm being more and more convinced. Uh, but, like, I think they probably did see, you know what, this might be the best. Like a second-round pick swap, a slight upgrade in Utah, 
that the all these things together might be the most value we can get from Roddy. So let's get off of them now. Um, you know, with all that, like I said, all the other little things, like maybe seeing a Metu player type with Jaron, um, like having role guys that will maybe help Vince Williams and Gigi develop more, all these sorts of things. Just to look at next year and where we stand now. So we, we've trimmed the $12.6 million that Stephen Adams was owed. We potentially have trimmed the $2.85 million that Roddy was owed. That is TBD. But if you look right now where we stand, we have 11 players signed to next year. We have a cap hold of $7.5 million for the first round pick if we choose to keep that pick. Depending, of, of course, on if we go higher or lower after the lottery, that can change. We have $2 million in dead money from Kennedy Chandler, best draft pick of all time. So with all that said... I take back that we're great at second-round draft picks. We're almost almost perfect, but not quite. Hey, one out of four on second round draft picks, if they end up signing long-term deals, you know, that yeah. is what it no, is. No, that, that's really, that's, that is like excellent. So I yeah. we, we complain too much. The, so what that puts us is, uh, 7 million, 7.4 under the tax, more importantly, 14.4 under the first apron. Now keep in mind, so that's 12 players. If we assume we're going to sign the first round pick that does not include Luke Kennard. It does not yet include Gigi Jackson. And we have a, a free roster spot that could be occupied by Yuta if he picks up his player option. And so basically using 14 and a half ish million as the number, we have to fit Gigi, Luke, and uh, one more player, whoever that is, underneath in that 14 million. And so if I had thrown out maybe $9 million for Luke. If you can get him to agree to a three-year, $9 million deal, that's about where I'm comfortable with. Anything above that, I start to ask questions. Then it, Gigi is the most fascinating of all of this. Is, is he going to agree to a deal that we would offer him right now? Secondly, if he doesn't agree, what he goes into restricted free agency, are there any other teams out there who are going to believe in a rookie after one, half a season, really? enough to give him an offer sheet that would be significantly above what the Grizzlies would be willing to pay if they're butting up against that first apron. They might decide it's not even worth uh, using up that much space on a guy like Luke Kennard. I don't, I personally think we still are star for shooting. So if you can get him on a number that's agreeable and it doesn't run you up against the apron, like great. I assume we're going to be paying the tax because right now with, with again, only 12 players signed, maybe 13 with Yuta, you're, you're already within 5 million or so. So, I mean, overall, I would say that's, that's now, though, way more flexible than we were around last week at this time. And so, overall, the Grizzlies, in my opinion, did what they set out to do. If they could have gotten positive value for Zaire Williams which was a long shot. I do think that he probably would have been sent out, but they had to deal with what was in front of them. And I, knowing Zach Kleiman and how he works, I right now am supportive of everything that happened, you know, on aggregate. Right. Now what they do with that in, into the summer, you know, they, there's still some open questions. And so the Adams trade to me is still the one that's incomplete. Because 
I don't know what they're going to do at center. If they draft one that we really like, that kind of closes the loop on the Adam trade, in my opinion, as long as we see him perform well. Right. But other than that, the other two deals, I totally understand. Xavier Tillman was the one guy who I knew for a fact in my head that we were sending out due to the contract negotiations breaking down uh, before this season. So overall, Roddy Tillman going out, totally fine with it. The players we have coming in for the rest of the season, great with it. Player option for you is going to be interesting, and Steven Adams is incomplete. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I think uh, you know that those are the I think the the one thing from now until the end of the season to look for is really just the GG Jackson. Like, do we do we see Lamar Stevens most likely waived, and then GG uh, put on a contract? Do we see that happen in the next few weeks? I'm hoping we do. Um, because honestly, if we don't see that, <laughs> we like I, the Grizzlies are going to be incentivized to not play GG or to try. You try. I mean, it's just going to be a it's going to be a very weird situation. I'm I'm hopeful. I think it just, all signs point to us doing that. So that's going to be the thing to watch, honestly. But yeah, I think you're right. It's it's really going to be how do we we've sent out uh, two guys who we know um, can play with Stephen Adams who can play excellently. Um, in the starting five with Jaron in the regular season. We didn't get to see much of him in the playoffs. And then Tillman, who we know uh, was not, I think, as good as we can get, but did a serviceable job next to Jaron in the playoffs. And we got to replace that. We have to replace that position. It doesn't have to look like Steven Adams or Tillman. Uh, but what are we going to do with that? And, you know, and, and, you know, and are we going to, you know, be able to use some of the contracts we have that we don't like to, are we going to be able to get off of those to get that? You know, um, uh, it seems it seems for me uh, we're going to have to have really targeted a rookie that we really like to not really want to use that pick in some way to find that player. Um, but those, you know, but obviously that's that's to be answered in the summer. But that we, we have to wait on all that to see if, you know, so it is in some senses this trade deadline is going to be incomplete until we see what we do with with all of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think the Tillman thing's an A+. Plus. I actually am glad X, I thought we could only get one, so I was actually really excited that we got two second-round picks uh, for Tillman. Um, you know, I think the A-plus trade deadline would have been if we could have gotten off Zaire. Um, but, but obviously, it sounds like the Grizzlies were trying to either get a second-round pick for taking on Hayes or, uh, or just thought it should be a straight-up player trade, and the, and the Pistons were like, no, we, we need a second-round pick to take Zaire. And we just we just weren't going to do that. So I would have done it. For the I, I mean, I think I think giving up a second round pick is worth getting off Sayer. Honestly, I, I mean, cause, like just what you said with our salary. I mean, I I am nervous uh, getting off that four point eight million, but really the six point three million for next year. Like I am nervous that is going to be hard. Like, like I'm nervous that we're now going to have to give up more uh, negative at. Like we're going to have to give up two second round picks um, to get off of him in the future potentially. You know, or even if he's part of a trade to make something work that we're going to have to throw in another first rounder um, just because somebody's taking on Zaire. So I am nervous about that. I guess we can hope that maybe Zaire has a good last couple months and gets a team excited about him in some way. I don't know. We can sort of cheer for that maybe instead of groan every time he comes in. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, final, final parting shot here. What was a deal, a non-Grizzlies related deal that you liked either because it was a bad trade for a team that you don't like, or if you believe that it was a good trade for, you know, the parties involved. Yeah. So, uh, 
It's, I mean, I can't, part of me wants to talk about the Knicks too, but I'm just going to stick to my brand, which is the, which is being a Mavs hater. And uh, for me, uh, I actually did like, uh, in some ways, the Gafford trade. Uh, like, I was sad about that just because I don't think Gafford is necessarily as good as people on Twitter think he is, but he does seem to, for whatever reason, play well against the Grizzlies. So it's just like another Grizz killer in our division, which I don't like. Uh, I like only seeing him twice. Now we got to see him four times, uh, potentially. Uh, but for me, the biggest thing for the Mavs was them, uh, they, you know, their big free agency pickups, besides re-signing some of their players, which you would say Kyrie Irving, having to re-sign him for that contract was not fun for them. But they their two big free agency pickups were Grant Williams and Seth Curry. And that, and that like all, you know, we heard from the, the Mavs media and everybody else how huge those two pickups are going to be, how Grant Williams is an amazing player for the Mavs and can be perfect Luca. Well, they already sent both of them out. Like they signed two guys in the off season and then already sent them out with a, for, with their like last first round pick. And they did that uh, to get a PJ Washington who, while he has like nights where he scores a lot of points and he might be, honestly, I've enjoyed sometimes having him on my NBA fantasy team. Uh, it is not an NBA fantasy league. There's two sides of the court, and he is a terrible defender. If you want to go, you can find uh, different things on Twitter or YouTube of him just play, basically playing awful defense. And so the Mavs, a team that's already struggling in the defensive category, uh, seems to just think we can have a really good defensive center, and then everybody else on our team can be horrible defensively, and it's fine. And so, so, so for me, that's you know the fact that – and by the way – the Hornets might be one of the worst run franchises and one of the worst teams in the NBA. And, and PJ Washington comes off the bench for them. And so they gave up two of their off season uh, signings and a first round pick for a guy who comes off the bench for the Charlotte Hornets. I just like, and, and it was hilarious seeing some Mavs people think this was a great move. Um, so that was, that was fun to see um, that the, that the Mavs still kind of are just totally reactionary, making short term moves that are, that are, I just think not going to move the needle at all. So when I was watching what the Pistons were doing, this trade deadline, there are certain franchises that it's really easy to make jokes about. None, I mean, the Pistons, due to just the almost record-breaking losing that's happening this year and things just not working out, paying a coach tens of millions of dollars over the course of the almost the next decade who is already showing signs of making big mistakes, like not playing Jaden Ivey more earlier and prioritizing guys that won't be with the team long-term. And then a star like Kate Cunningham, who we commented on the podcast, how unimpressed we were with him, especially in the game against the Grizzlies earlier in the season. And I think it was really easy to quote unquote dunk on some of the things that the Pistons did this, this uh, trade deadline. And my take is I thought they actually did really well. Now, did is the situation that they were in to where they couldn't get as much in return as they could have earlier their fault? Yes. Like, there was self-inflicted by holding on to Boyan Bogdanovich as long as they did because it sounded like last season they could have gotten one to two first-rounders for him. So that was a big mistake. But to get Simone Fatecchio from the Jazz, who has been starting uh, some games at small forward for them and has the right... Um, I, I just really like his game. 
He's kind of a league pass guy, so easy to miss, but really good. Quentin Grimes is a shooter from the Knicks who's young, who has a lot uh, a lot to prove, and I think will fit very well on the Pistons team. To get a couple of second rounders for Boyan, even though he is old, and uh, also to, I believe there was one more deal that I'm trying to find on my sheet that they did to get another pit or another young player that I really like. Uh, but overall, just the fact that they're obviously the players that they sent out to the Knicks are going to be the headliner uh, because the Knicks seem to be going all in for this season. Yeah. But overall, I just thought that you, you know, they did what they could do. They're going to have a high draft pick, like they're rebuilding. And so they're a team that's not going to get any love at all. If anything, I think they're going to get made fun of for this trade deadline. And I thought under the circumstances, they did pretty well. The other move that I want to mention here is Gordon Hayward to the Thunder has me nervous. Um, yes, he's one of the most injury-prone players we've ever seen, but when he's on the court, he can actually play. And adding him, just they have a lot of a lot of players that I like on the Thunder team. They're shooting the lights out this season, which is bound to regress over the course of the next you know, however many weeks or maybe months. But overall, that was a move that, to me, was pretty low cost and um, one to watch as we move into the playoffs if he's healthy. So very, you know, this, this to me indicates how much of a, you know, on the margins type trade deadline this was overall. No big stars were moved. The Lakers didn't make a trade for DeJounte Murray, even though I was really hoping they would make a dumb move for him. Yeah. The Warriors didn't make a move, even though they've been just like rumored every other day about something. I mean, the Suns did all they could, and they're left with literally n no assets at all. And right. so overall, the teams that we really don't, and the like you said, the Mavericks just making a big move, spending a lot for a guy who might not, might not start for them um, yeah. is is something and, and to watch. So it's not like giving them. It's just, it doesn't give them somebody like help them with what they they need. You know, like for us, like that's like the Grizzlies. We need shooting, and so you know, at least even on the margins, we upgraded our shooting. Um, you know, by Metu and Metu is a better shooter than Tillman, and uh, you know, Yuda is a better shooter um than roddy i mean th it's just weird but i will say i think what your point is because i think people are going to make fun of the pistons and really the issue is they gave monty williams this huge contract and then let him proceed to instead of developing all their actually promising young guys to play hayes who they just just waived all these minutes instead and and so that's kind of like their issue but i agree with you but I think it goes back to and and I, because I've seen just a lot of casual hate on Kleiman and what the Grizzlies are doing. But one of the things that I've just loved about Kleiman, you know, is that he really does when he senses this person is not a part of the future and this is the best value I think I can get for him. He pounces and he he lets them go. I mean, for instance, people are upset about Tyus that we got rid of Tyus last year. Well, guess what? He didn't even get traded. Like teams weren't even willing to give second round picks uh, up for Tyus uh, when basically the Wizards would have just, you know, he's just going to leave. And, and that just shows to me that over and over and over again, you know, he's made some draft picks. We've cr been critical of them now, but that he, when it's time for a player to go, he moves. And, uh, and, and I just think that's to be commended. And I think it's going forward, especially in the new CBA, 
trying to get value whenever you can um, is a big deal because I think teams are just not going to make kind of crazy moves. I mean, it is really shocking that you have teams like the Warriors and the Lakers that because the new CBA really kind of stood still instead of kind of making crazy moves that they'll just figure it out later. You just can't get the, get away with that anymore. So um, in that sense, I do think, uh, you know, overall successful, uh, successful deadline that might be deemed not successful depending on what we do this summer. But I'm, I'm hopeful that we've collected a bunch of assets. We'll have a good first round pick that we can go do something. The last deal I forgot about earlier was uh, to acquire Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr., yeah. two players that I really yeah. like and honestly referenced as somebody that we players that we could have signed instead of Derrick Rose. Right. And so they they have a even have another year uh, that's non guaranteed next year if the Pistons like what they see. So just like you're saying, operating on the margins that's part of the deal as as the GM. The stars are the most important, but when the team gets expensive and you're pretty secure in who those stars are, then it comes a matter of, you know, who who are the who are the experts in the room as GMs? And I feel like we have one, a GM a team that's just really sharp. And it's fun to go into a deadline knowing that every detail is you know, important to them. And so, yeah, overall, fun, fun deadline for the Grizz. We had some movement. We had some deals. There's going to be more revealed, and we're going to, uh, do sort of a a review on the weekend update uh, Sunday or Monday, and we'll have hopefully more to share and more to react to. So for Kraft, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We will talk to you very soon.